Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Yo, give it up for young Micah, fantastic word. Thank you, sir. Oh my goodness, would you stand? We got a 10 second praise break. We need to give the Lord. Go off, church, come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, high five someone and sit your butt down. Come on, somebody. Whew, thank you. Amazing, amazing. One of our core leaders, Grant, here. One of our amazing, we're going to call you the bishop, Grant. The bishop. The bishop. Thanks for playing during that worship team. Thank you so much. Take over worship. Oh, man, do you love Jesus this morning? Do you love Jesus every day? Do you love Jesus in every way? I know it's a little Joel Osteen, but it sounds good, and it is good, and it's right, and I think it's just something we need to dial in on this morning. Do you love Jesus today? Do you love Jesus every day? And do you love Jesus in every way? Do you love Jesus in every way? I... Oh, man, I've been so just radically consumed this last couple of weeks. And the Lord's really given me a vision for 2024 and where we're going in the new year. And we're going to have another prophetic banner for the entirety of the year. And, man, I'm so pumped. But i got to tell you what he longs to do over the next, what is it, five weeks? Am I wrong on that? Five, six weeks? Someone help me out? Something like that? It's Michigan math, right? <laughs> five or six. Somebody, see? It's funny because it's true. We all know it. But over the next five to six weeks, he's given me a clear roadmap of where we're to go and what we're to do, even up into Christmas Eve Sunday, which is going to be amazing. And we'll have more information for that as the weeks progress. But it's going to be incredible. And I'm telling you, the Lord is birthing something in our midst, church. In our midst. Well, you might look to your left and to your right and you feel like, Pastor Matt, I'm not seeing the fruit of that. Friends, I am here to tell you and proclaim to you. God is far more interested in this season of growing big people than he is big churches. Now, big people can grow a big church, as we've seen all throughout Scripture. But right now, what his aim is in this hour is growing up Christians who will not falter who will not backslide, who will not give the devil, the flesh, the culture of our world an inch. And I believe over the next six weeks or so, he's going to begin to prepare us for 2024. You see, a lot of us, we, we get so un, what's the word I want to look for? Unmotivated as the year ends out. I believe there's prophetic timing. I believe God has put times and seasons into existence for a reason. Are you with me? Times and seasons exist for a reason. But so many of us, we look at the year, we look at the calendar as well. It's just another year gone by. It's just another holiday season. It's just another year. There's really no weight or gravity or purpose to it whatsoever. And friends, I came to tell you this morning, you could not be more wrong. Times and seasons exist for a purpose with intention that God aims to do something. And so this last six weeks, don't. Don't just rest on your laurels. Don't rest on the fact that, yeah, the year's going to end out. We're going to be traveling a bunch. Or we're going to be doing this and that. I am telling you, 
God is far more interested in your attention when you have a million distractions than your attention when you have none. There's a heart that he longs to breathe upon and burn within. And it's a heart that will say, Lord, no, I've purposed you above all my plans. I've purposed you above every season. I've purposed you above every reason I have to take my foot off the gas in my pursuit, in my relationship, in my love of you. And I have said, no, Lord, you have my yes. You have my yes. Well, Pastor Matt, you just don't want us to have any fun. You don't want us to leave. You don't want us to go anywhere. You're like, you want to have a full church, so it looks good on Instagram. Instagram, be damned. I could care less. I literally, I mean that in the biblical language. Instagram can literally go to hell for all I care. I don't care about what things look like online. I care about what things look like inside. And I am telling you, the burning heart of the Father in this season, church, is looking for a bride that will burn for him when it is the most inconvenient to do so. Because he's received an offering of convenience for the last 50 or so years within the Western American church. And as we've seen him pull down the convenient strongholds, the convenient high places, the leaders who have built churches based off convenience, he has pulled them down, humbled them greatly, and what he is looking for is lowly people who do not pursue the exhaustion of themselves, but the exhaustion of the one. Above themselves, above every season, above every holiday, above every reason not to be with him. It's who he is. He's after pure lovers. And I think it's high time that we quit singing about it and we start being about it. Because I love singing. I want to be a lay down lover all my life. I want to be the oil. I want to be the sacrifice. It is easier to sing than it is to live. And I'm telling you, now is the time to not just sing it, but to live it. And to give the power back to our songs by the lives that we live. Amen? What are we doing here? Oh, week 47, baby. Somebody say, yeah. Zach Kramer hates it. It's fun. Yeah. Week 47, baby, fire upon the earth. What is that? Luke 12, 49, Jesus said his mission statement above all the opinions of man, above all the denominations, above every podcast and TikTok theologian and YouTube jabroni that you've heard talk about why Jesus came. Jesus gave it to us himself, and he said, I've come for a people that would be so dry of the things of this world, so out of love with this world, that they are perfectly kindled in my sight and ready to be ignited by me. I would come and I would burn upon them. I prepared a baptism of fire of the Spirit of God for these people. If they were kindled, I would burn it now. That's what he came to do. A burning people, a burning body, a burning bride. Amen. <sighs> Man, we're, we're six weeks out from finishing this prophetic word for 2023, and I've got to ask, do you feel like You've been kindled? No, no, honestly. It's better than just better preaching. I'm not looking for an agreement. I'm, a, I'm asking for an inside evaluation. Do you feel like you are dry of the things of this world, your loves for this world? I'm telling you, everything else burns a whole heck of a lot brighter, friends, a whole heck of a lot hotter, friends, when you are rid of all love and lust for the things of this world 
And then when Jesus comes and breathes upon, all of a sudden, your vacation isn't just rest and reprieve for you, but it's a missionary mission for the people of Cabo or wherever you find yourselves. It's amazing what he does when he takes people who have rid themselves of the pursuit of self and begins to burn upon them because they are wanting to burn for him. He'll take the whole game and change it. And all of a sudden, everything you do goes beyond yourself. And that's what he's looking for. He's not looking for convenient lovers. He's looking for consecrated lovers. And he's not just looking for any lover. He's looking for a pure bride. Amen. Amen. So, if you're ready, the title of my sermon, week 47 of Fire Upon the Earth, friends, is the, prep, the Preparation for the Fire. The Preparation for the Fire. For whatever reason, preparation is a very hard word for me to enunciate. <laughs> the Preparation for the Fire. The Preparation for the Fire. If you got your B-I-B-L-E, somebody wave it in the air like you just do care. Show me your Bibles. Oof. I uh, like leather Bibles, and I cannot lie. If your friend does not have a Bible, hit them with yours and tell them to get one. Baker Bookhouse down the road from us has an amazing sale on their Bibles all holiday season because they're counting on churches to have a lot of salvations around Christmas time. So go buy yourself a nice ESV, leatherback baby, or one of those cool arty ones like Pastor Adrian and Pastor Amy have, and get your face in the book and get your butt off Facebook. Amen. That was the most grandma joke of all time. I don't know. I got a little thing in my thing. Anyways, Hosea. Hosea 10, 12. Hosea 10, 12. That's where we're coming out of this morning. Pastor Matt, that is a single verse. Yep, and it's ready to blow us all away. Hosea 10, 12. Here we go. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Yes, it's crooked. I see that. I'll fix it tomorrow. Hosea 10, 12. I know I'm going to get a message. I know someone's going to grab me after service. I know someone's going to say at some point, Pastor Matt. The screen was crooked. It's not a screen. It's a projector. And yes, it is. I'll fix it tomorrow. Okay. Hosea 12, or Hosea 10, 12. Here we go. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. So for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, O oh, beloved. Break up your hollow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. I'm going to pray, and we're going to let that single scripture verse change the trajectory of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, I love you. I'm so grateful you're in this place. I'm so grateful you're in our hearts. I'm so grateful you're in this home. I'm so grateful for the mission that you've given us, God. Not just Adrienne and myself, like she said so brilliantly earlier, but for those who call Takeover Church home. God, thank you for thinking and placing something on the inside of us, God, to join you in your great pursuit of humanity and glory of the Lamb. Father, I ask this morning, I ask this morning, God, that you would make Roger B. Chaffee and Azusa Street. 
Father, I am not, I am not seeking to have the takeover revival be written about for years and years to come. But what I am seeking, God, is for the great Grand Rapids revival to be birthed in this home with willing hands and willing hearts, with minds set on Christ, with minds set on Calvary, with a people fully and wholly given over to you and your ways. So Father, make us an Azusa Street. Make us a Hebrides. Make us a first and second great awakening. Make us an Asbury. Make us a revival God. Not to your glory. Not to our glory, but for your glory, for your name's sake, for your name to be hollow in this earth. Father, shift every heart in this room towards true north. Upon every head, Lord, would you circumcise the mind this morning and give us the mind of Christ. Father, right now, I just hear you saying, oh, if you will open up, I'll fill you. If you will open up for me, I'll fill you. Some of us, we've spent all week opening up ourselves to so many others. And I hear the Lord making that plain to each of us in different ways. Some of you, you have spent the week opening yourselves up sexually to others. Some of you have opened up your hearts to people who are not worthy to have your heart open to. Some of you, you have opened your mind to people who do not have God's intention for your life, for you. I am telling you this morning, right now, I hear the Lord. He is speaking to a room. If you will close yourself off to every other lover, every other affection, every other desire, and you open yourself up to me fully and wholly, I will fill you and make you holy. Father, as you're saying, would you come and would you fill every willing vessel? And as you do, Lord, would you mend the cracks? Would you heal the holes? Show us your glory today, God. Holy Spirit, we give you free reign to do as you please in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, amen. The preparation for the fire, the preparation for the fire, the preparation, preparation for the fire. I had to go four there because it got tripped up on the third. I want to go six, but I curse autism in Jesus' name, okay? <laughs> Someone's like, Pastor Matt's autistic? All right. Welcome, you might be brand new. <laughs> Clearly, okay. Oh, I've given my life for one thing and one thing only. It's Jesus. And Jesus is interested in one thing and one thing only, filling the earth with his glory. I have given my life for his pursuit of receiving all of the glory, and it's not because he is some self-righteous king. 
It's not because he is arrogant or hubris in any way. It's because his glory, his presence, his power, his manifest person is life and life to the full. That everywhere he comes, friends, hear me, everywhere he is, is given over to revival. What is revival? To take that which is dead and bring it back to life. Well, how is that possible? When you fill a space, a place, heck, a face, with his manifest presence, with his power, with his glory, with his fire. I've given my life for this. Can I ask you, what have you given your life for? What have you given your life for? Well, Pastor Matt, you're a pastor. You have to say this. You're right. As a pastor, I should probably be saying this. But a greater calling is to actually live this. So again, I turn the gun back again, and I ask you, what have you given your life for? What have you given your life for? What is your invested interest? What are you all in on? What have you given yourself to? Because I'm telling you right now, the preparation for the fire is this. It is preparation for revival. Everybody wants to talk about revival right now. Why? It's twofold. Revival is both in the heart of God, but it also happens to be on the lips of God. See, revival is always found in the heart of God, but right now in particular, revival is found on the lips of God. And I don't know, maybe it's the Pentecostal in me. Maybe it's the charismaniac in me. Maybe it's just the Bible-believing, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, madly in love with Jesus in me. But I believe today, church, if it's found in the heart of God, it should be found in the hearts of those who say and profess they carry the heart of God. I preached to anybody this morning. If it's found in the heart of God, (laughs) then I would be so bold to say before you that it must be found in the heart of those who claim to carry the heart of God. And I would take it a step even further. If it's found on the lips of God, then friends, it should be found on the lips of God's people. If it's found on the lips of God, it should be found on the lips of God's people. Well, Pastor Matt, what do you mean? Listen, listen, listen. There's a great war going on. And I would, and I would, I would say it's a war. I wouldn't say it's a differing opinion. I don't think it's just opposition. I don't think it's just disagreements between brothers. I don't think it's any of those three things. I think there is a distinct war right now within the church. It is between the religious spirit and the revival spirit. 
It's between the religious spirit and it's the revival spirit. Well, Pastor Matt, how do you know the difference? I'll tell you this. Here's my barometer to find out the weather vane to point to whether you are a religious spirit person or a revival spirited person. The religious spirit pursues self-interests but claims it's the heart of God. And the revival spirit pursues the spirit's interest because they have married the heart of God. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. The religious pursue self-interest and claim it's the heart of God. <laughs> While the revival spirited, well, they pursue the spirit's interest because they have married the heart of God. Friends, right now, I'm telling you, I did not give my life did not give my life to have five hard years of late nights, migraines, tears shed, blood shed, gossip and lies and slander and reputation being thrown through the mud to see marriages implode and some of them come back together, a lot of them end, to see people leave and to go and pursue themselves and their own self-interest and then to have this little moment for one year of 2023 where God's glory came thick in this room and then for it all to end because we decided to pursue the religious spirit over the revival spirit. No, no, I've, I've given my life. Literally, think about that. Think about you. Think about what you've given your life to. The single greatest commodity on this earth does it go with the does it go with the economy? It doesn't go away by who's in the White House and who's not. It doesn't go with the oil prices or without it. It doesn't go there. The greatest commodity in this earth rises and falls based upon who Jesus is to that commodity. And what is that commodity I speak of? Life. Life. Your life, your days, your weeks, your months, your years, heck. Your seconds, your minutes, your hours. Your life is the single greatest commodity. What are you in pursuit of with it? Well, the, the earth's going to keep spinning, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and all is going to be hunky-dory. Well, while it's hunky-dory for us, What does it look like for those who do not have the Spirit of God on the inside of them? While it's Gucci for us. See, this is how lackadaisical we get with life. How's life right now? I'm Gucci. What? I'm old enough to remember when Christians would respond, I'm blessed. No, I'm Gucci, something cheap that came from Italy and will fall apart after you pay $500 for it. Or I'm blessed, something that can only be purchased by the blood of Jesus and will never fall apart. I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of it. And I've been a, I've been a, I've been a participant in such silly words, such silly ideas, such silly things, and we don't think about it. We don't think about the weight that our words hold. We don't think about the things that passes our lips. But God has thought about very much so Every word, every syllable, every breath, every flick of his tongue that passes his lips. 
He's considered it greatly before he ever spoke. There's nothing wasted with him. Why? Because he doesn't waste anything. Especially his words. Why? Because it creates universes. <laughs> Created light. Every amoeba in the sea and every atom that makes up your body and every cork that is resonating within every sound wave that makes up everything that you see with your naked eye, he first spoke. And he thought greatly about it before he said it. See, I'm not giving my life to see Jesus take part in this world. I've given my life to see Jesus take over this world. I didn't give my life to see Jesus take part in a nation. I'm giving my life to see Jesus take over a nation. I didn't give my life, friends. Are you hearing me? And I'm not asking you to give your life to see Jesus simply take part in a region in the Midwest. But I'm asking you and me to marry ourselves to the Lamb and like Him, give our lives to see Him take over a region, a state, a mitten, a city that's on the fast track to not just being the next Seattle, but being the next hell. Pastor Matt, that's news to me. It's only because... We're not paying attention. <laughs> but I also didn't give, hear me, I also didn't give my life to see Jesus take part in the church in this region. I'm giving my life to see Jesus take over the church in this region. This whole thing has to go beyond us. This whole thing has to go beyond me. This whole thing cannot live and die here and only breathe and exist and be fed on Sundays. This whole thing it has to go beyond us. You see, the religious spirit has a lot of good causes, while the revival spirit has a great commission. Yeah. I appreciate anybody this morning. The religious spirit has a lot of good causes, but the revival spirit, it has a great commission. And that great commission is actually Jesus receiving the king's reward. The lamb's splendor, the apple of his eye, whatever you want to call it, the desire of his heart is the great commission. See, we've, we've allowed the religious spirit to seep in, and some of us, we start talking about this in church. It's like, well, pastors only want the great commission to be fulfilled because they want to go on late night talk shows for having a big church. Could care less if I ever get invited on Jimmy Fallon. Never even watched it. Seen clips on YouTube. Good for you. Generally, when late, late, late night's on, I'm praying. <laughs> we out here praying while he's playing. You know what I'm saying? I got a million of them. But I'm telling you, the religious spirit has grown hard. The religious spirit has gone callous. The religious spirit gets cold. The religious spirit decides, no, I'm actually not going to tell my neighbor because I don't want to ever come to a church where it's big and I get lost in the crowd and all these things. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I kind of thought we were about the Great Commission, but it kind of sounds like you're about yourself. <laughs> well, I don't want to go to a big church. It's not about you going to a big church. It's about him receiving the lamb's reward. Yeah. I'm confused by this idea. Oh, if church gets too big, I leave because I get lost in the crowd. You got lost in the crowd? The only reason you get lost in the crowd is because you're not lost in the lamb. Well, Pastor Matt, that might preach good, but that's not, that's not real life. Yes, it is. 
You're too busy looking around instead of looking at him. You're too busy looking for Pastor Matt instead of looking at him. You're too busy looking for more time with me when you should be looking for more time with him. Where have we arrived? Where have we gone? What have we become? What is this bride that Jesus is coming back for? Because surely she's not all about herself. How can the bride of Christ be the bride of Christ when she's all about herself? In fact, the only reason to be the bride is so that we can be about the Christ. The only reason to fulfill the Great Commission is because we love the one who gave the Great Commission. I appreciate anybody this morning. Listen, this, this thing, it goes so far beyond us. And, and I'm not just talking about, yes, missions, and yes, our prayer room, and yes, all of these things. Like, yes, I'm talking about all of these things. But I am telling you today, friends, we love in church culture to talk about calling you. Oh, you've got a call of God on your life. Yes, you do. But it's unto him. It's not unto you. This right here, this moment isn't unto me. I offend most people whom I love dearly every single week with the gospel. And he keeps showing up because either you're masochistic or you're an actual Christian, and I love it. Are you hearing me? Listen, I'm telling you, your calling isn't unto you. Takeover isn't unto Matt. Takeover isn't unto Zach Kramer. Takeover isn't unto anything other than the Lamb. Your calling is unto something greater than yourself. Because what's interesting is you both fulfill a role and also the apple of his eye all at the same time. Because it's an interesting paradigm in the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? So many of us, we live lives going to work and we go like, I don't want to be another cog in the wheel. I don't want to just fill a role. I want to stand out. I want to lead. I want to do these things. What's interesting in the kingdom is you may not get to do that, quote unquote, in the workplace, given a title, given a pension, given all the things that go along with leading in the workplace. But when you're going to work and it's not about, the, it's not about your workplace, it's about the kingdom, suddenly, friends, you're both able to fulfill a role Suddenly you're able to then be a servant of man and servant of God while simultaneously being the apple and desire of his heart. You see, everything, gets, everything changes when it becomes about Jesus and not about you. And then we have this other thing. It's called commission. And then we start talking about the commission. And here's the deal. We get this weird thing where it's like, oh, I'm called by God. And then the church commissions you and sends you out. Welcome to Commission Sunday, by the way. I'm going to send you into the next six weeks. <laughs> That's what we're going to do today. During the last song, we're going to pray, and we're going to send you into the next six weeks, into the harvest. The year is ending, but I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe. That's what we're going to do. But the commission, again, is, it's onto something. Because it's not about you reaching your family. It's about Jesus reaching your family through you. It's not about you reaching your workplace. It's about Jesus reaching your workplace through you. See, some of us, we are so unsatisfied with simply being the Father's desire 
that we filled that hole that should be filled and be satiated with simply being the Father's desire, we've now filled it with self-interest and self-pursuit, self-relevance, self-importance. And what else, another good uh, synonym there? Self-righteousness. And all of a sudden, if I don't answer my call, if I don't fulfill my commission, if I don't make me great, nothing will be made great through me. What you and I need to understand that fixes all of this mess that we've created for ourselves is that third option that nobody wants to talk about. See, there's these three C's, and I'm not even like a point guy, so don't even get it twisted. This is not a point, okay? I don't care about this. I'm preaching the gospel, okay? This is a sermon, not a TED Talk, okay? But in between calling and commission, there's this third C that nobody wants to talk about that is rarely preached, that is overlooked, that is mostly forgotten because pastors don't want to do this. Therefore, we don't push our sheep to do this. We don't push our flock to do this. We don't push our churches to do this. And I'm here to tell you as a pastor, we must do this and it must start with me and it must start today if we want to see him come. Between calling and commission is that third C, that undesirable C, that forgotten C. But Jesus is speaking it consecration between calling and commission is consecration between calling and commission is consecration between calling and commission is consecration pastor matt i didn't go to bible college i barely read my bible i'm confessing my sins before you i don't know what the word consecration means (laughs) don't worry i'm confessing it for some of you okay it's all good i got you put it on my tab jesus Here's the deal. Consecration. Consecration is to be made separate. Consecration is literally the act of taking something that is within the common and placing it outside. Consecration is the moment where you take an insider of the world and make it an outsider but still sent to the world and you begin to make it holy. He said, God is the most consecrated being in all of existence, and he has invited you and I into this great consecration. It's called being made holy. It's called being made holy. You see, when you get called, when God speaks your name, when God says, I've got a plan for your life that goes beyond you, and it goes unto something else besides you, what keeps you grounded in it being unto him and not unto you is that fact that you have pursued before you've been commissioned consecration. Before he sends you, he needs to break you. Before he sends you, he must break you. Well, Pastor Matt, that doesn't sound very encouraging. It broke Jesus. Thought you wanted to be like him. Pour Jesus out. I thought you wanted to be like him. Well, no, I want to be like Jesus in all of his glory. Well, that's interesting. Paul said if you want to take place in his glory, you must also take place in his uh, suffering. I don't appreciate anybody this morning. Oh, man, it's either going to kill this church or grill this church. One way or another, God's going to get the glory. Amen? One way or the other. I'm telling you, consecration is what will keep you sober in your calling. When you hear God say, I have great plans for your life, where you don't get drunk on the greatness, but instead you get drunk in the spirit, like he says. Consecration keeps you sober 
keeps you from getting high on your own supply. It keeps you from falling in love with yourself. Consecration will actually call you and draw you into a place of falling out of love with yourself and into love with him. Well, Pastor Matt thought if I was going to love others, I had to first love me. The best way to love you, the best way to love yourself is fall out of love with yourself and fall more in love with him. The best way for you to love yourself is to think less about you, literally, less. Less time. Well, you've got to think more of yourself. No, I think most Americans, we're thinking more of ourselves all the time. <laughs> Appreciate anybody? See, it all depends on what kind of uh, definition we're using for less and more in this statement. No, no, you need to think less of yourself and you need to think more of him. You need to fall out of love with yourself and more in love with him. I'm telling you, the best way that you will love yourself is to find yourself in him. Consecration. And consecration is what will keep you holy when you're finally commissioned. What do you think happened the last three years when we saw pretty much every notable church leader with mass followings? And trust me, I pray for my brothers daily. This is not an easy call. This is, the, this is the literal best and worst call of all time to lead God's people. Moses knew it. Jesus knew it. Paul knew it. I know it. It's true. Because it will demand all of you and you will receive very little. But that's okay. Because when you receive very little, it means you can just give him everything. Keep none of it for yourself. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? See, listen, when commissioning comes, we all want to be commissioned. We all want to be sent. We all want to go and do things for God. We all want to walk in our calling and our purpose. But I'm telling you, in between calling and commission is this little hidden gem but will save your soul. God, how do you want to arrive before Jesus, whether when you die or when he comes? How do you want to arrive before him? Consecrated, without blame, without blemish, without sin, holy and pure, offering unto him? Or do you want to arrive broken? Torn up from the floor up. More gory than glory. Like, how do you want to appear before him? Well, sounds like you're getting into works, brother. Friends, can I be honest? The religious spirit is all against works. Which is interesting because the entirety of religion is about working. <laughs> it's because the deep inside of the religious spirit is that it rejects what it must do because it was in pursuit of what it knows to do, but it unfortunately led it to a place of self-righteousness. I'll explain. The religious spirit turns to work because what it can see with its eyes is what will fulfill, so it thinks, in its heart, the gaping God-sized hole. But the revival spirit says, no, 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 no. Jesus says the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Well, what do laborers do? They labor. What is labor? Work. Well, I'd rather just be found at the club downtown singing work, 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 work by Rihanna instead of living work, work, work by Jesus. Dated reference. <laughs> Preach is good. But I'm dead serious. Are you hearing me this morning? There's a war 
in the church today between the religious spirit and the revival spirit. The religious spirit pursues calling and commission before consecration. And the revival spirit pursues consecration before it ever receives a calling and before it's ever sent out in commission. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I am telling you, friends, there is an interior work that must be done if you want to see a harvest begin in the exterior around you. See, I am ready for the Lord Jesus to come. I want to see him pour out his spirit to such a degree. But I'm telling you, he only pours where it's prepared. God pours, God pours out in prepared places. God pours out in prepared places. The same reason he says to you and I, little, little, little NC-17, the same reason he tells you and I in his word, hear me today, not to waste our seed is the same reason he refuses to waste his seed. He only pours where it's prepared. You preaching to anybody this morning? I'm uncomfortable but it's real. It's the gospel. It's the word of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. This is what he's come to do. He will not pour out his spirit where it will be wasted. So are we prepared? Are we married? Are we in marriage? Are we betrothed to him in such a way where we can receive the seed of the spirit, so to speak? It wouldn't die when it's entrusted to us, but instead it would be birthed and it would be grown and it would be sent out, it would be called, consecrated, and commissioned among us. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. Will we be prepared for the fire? We'll see. Do you see how we worked our way to this moment? Because we're talking about the book of Hosea this morning. And if you don't know about Hosea, Hosea is, again, another one of those minor prophets, so they say. And it's like, no, he was a G, and he was doing amazing things for the Lord. And, in fact, his entire existence kind of sucked. <laughs> but it was for God's glory. Well, Pastor Matt, that doesn't make sense. Again, I, if I want to join him in glory, I must join him in suffering. If I want to join him in resurrection, I must join him in the grave. See, the problem with Christians today is that we love the resurrection life, but none of us want the death. We will boast in resurrection life, but we reject the death. We reject the grave. Are you hearing me? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, I said. How hubris of us. How arrogant. How haughty. How full of ourselves to think that we could take and pursue the resurrection and the life, but not, not be buried with him in death. And Hosea, Hosea the prophet, he understood death so much. You see, he was sent. He was called. Here you go. He was called to Israel, commissioned as a prophet to Israel, but his consecration was in the fact that God told him, Marry this prostitute, this whore, this woman of the night. Marry her. She's betrothed to so many other men, he says. Marry her. Make her holy yet again. 
Well, nothing's going to cause death quicker than marriage. Some of us, we got married and we didn't know that. Nah, we told y'all. We told Maya and Cole. <laughs> we tell everyone we marry in our church. Marriage, <laughs> it's about far more about what dies in you than what's birthed through you. Know what I'm saying? In fact, it's what dies in you that allows you to give birth to amazing things. Marriage is literally Christ marrying his bride and that being instituted in the earth through our marriage. Man, it is the proverbial and prophetic mirror of what it looks like to be sanctified in Christ. Because no one's going to make you more holy, or at least no one should make you more holy than your spouse. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Here's a little marriage sermon for you. There you go. Why do we not do marriage series? Because that's what you need is right there. Look at Jesus. <sighs> what a finance series. Look at Jesus. Micah just got on saying it. Look at Jesus. It's great. I'm telling you. Hosea's consecration, his death that leads to his resurrection, what makes him holy, what makes him more like God is marrying a harlot and being faithful to her while knowing ahead of time she's going to be unfaithful to him. Well, who does that sound like? That sounds like God and Israel. That sounds like Jesus and his church. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Are you seeing the parallels? Listen, God pours out in prepared places. His desire for Israel is that she would be prepared, that she would be ready, that she would be built out in depth, ready to be receptive to him. And not just receptive, but she would be the most holy and healthy, fertile bride and soil that God could plant seeds. Pastor Matt, you should have put up a disclaimer on Instagram that you were going to have some NC-17 content in your message this morning. I almost brought my kids. <sighs> if they're not going to hear from the birds and the bees from you or from God, I guess they better hear it from me. So, sorry, not sorry. You see, Gomer would continue. That's her name, by the way. What a terrible name for a woman. <laughs> My name's Hosea. I kind of sound like a horse. It's cool. Hosea the prophet. This is his wife, Gomer. What? Yeah, she got that Leah syndrome. She's weak-eyed, you know what I'm saying? She's weak-eyed. It's the greatest diss in all of the Bible, by the way. Leah's weak-eyed. It's hilarious. It means ugly. It doesn't mean she had poor eyesight. It literally means ugly. It's an old thing. Anyways, it's hilarious. Yeah, you married that ugly girl. What? <laughs> the Bible's got jokes. I love it. But Gomer, she's... She's ridiculous. She's so broken. And she loves Hosea. She appreciates Hosea. She appreciates his godliness. She appreciates that when she does run and comes back, she has a warm home and a place prepared for her. She appreciates that he pursues her relentlessly, but she is so broken. She is so follow. She is so barren. She is so diseased. She is so plagued. She is so affectionate of all these other men and things. She cannot help herself to stay faithful to Hosea, much like Israel cannot help itself to be faithful to God, much so like the church in 2023 has had the hardest time staying faithful to God. Especially when the lovers of Trump and Biden and the White House and the political parties 
healthcare, sexuality, gun laws, gun bans. Are you seeing today that the word of God is better than you know that it is? Are you seeing the day that God's playing chess on a whole nother cosmic level than we are? Do you see today that the human condition? We want God. We love church. We want to do great things for God. But very few of us, from Israel to Gomer to the church today, very few of us want to do the inner work of dying to ourselves and living ultimately for God. You see, Hosea, in the middle of the great chapter 10, verse 12, he literally, he says, sow up for yourself righteousness, reap unfailing love. Sow up for yourself righteousness. You see, what's interesting here is so many Christians today, we live life sowing up self-righteousness, right? We just got done talking about all the ways that we do that. We sow up self-righteousness by making all of this about us. All of this about us. How does God advance my career? How does God advance my marriage? How does God save my kids? How does God this and God that? It's all about me. It's like, no, 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 no. I know the Jesus piece chain went out of style in like 2015, but the church is still wearing a rosary around her neck. And we still take Jesus as if he's this aesthetic accessory to our lives. Instead, we are the bride of Christ. And he's the very reason we can live. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. So up for your self-righteousness. What does that mean? That means we have to take off all self-righteousness. That means we need to quit sowing self-righteousness. Stop where we're at. And then we need to dig up all the self-righteousness we've sown. What does that look like? Repentance. What does repentance look like? Turning from your ways. What does turning from your ways look like? Dying to how you used to live. All of a sudden, it's like all these things I sewed up. I made my job about me. God, I repent. I made my marriage about me. God, I repent. I made my children about me. God, I repent. I made church about me. God, I repent. I made my calling and my prayer time and my relationship with you all about me. You cannot have a God-centered life while living a self-centered life. You cannot reap a God-given harvest by sowing self-centered seeds. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, is there going to be a prepared people in this region or not? I think he's asking the question. I want to pour out my spirit. I see it on his lips. How do we come into agreement with what's on God's heart? By coming into agreement with what's on God's lips until it is in alignment with our hearts. How do we come into agreement with what is in God's heart? How do we say it better? How do we access what's in God's heart by coming into agreement with what's on God's lips, by coming into alignment with, in our own heart, what is in God's heart? 
not preaching to anybody this morning. I'm telling you, friends, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this, 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 this has to go beyond you and me. And Hosea shows us this. He says, listen, 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 sow up for yourselves righteousness. What does that mean? It means there is going to literally be a reward on the other side of it called unfailing love. If you sow up self-righteousness, what do you think your harvest is going to be? I thought God's love never fails. God's love never fails. Amen. You're right. But you fail in receiving God's unfailing love. Where do you think condemnation comes from? Where do you think condemnation is bred? Where do you think condemnation grows? Where do you think that all happens? God's unfailing love has pursued you every day of your life, but while we are sowing seeds of self-righteousness, we will always find ourselves reaping a harvest of condemnation instead of receiving that unfailing love. Because that unfailing love is what? Motivation for further consecration. (laughs) I know that his love is unfailing so I can die gracefully and willingly. (laughs) I know I can offer up my sin on the altar of church, confess to my brothers... And that I will receive grace and mercy. At least that's how it should be. Well, you don't understand, Pastor Matt, the things that run through this mind, the things that I'm tempted with, it's too dark, it's too grim. It might be. But that doesn't mean that we don't approach it anyways. About time a pastor said it, right? No, no, no. What, what is dark in you literally required the death of Jesus to resurrect. It's going to be dark. It's going to be bleak. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be hard. But friends, if we can do the due diligence of dying to ourselves, sowing righteousness, and saying, I want righteousness. I don't want self-centeredness. It's self-centered to keep your sin hidden. Well, how's that self-righteousness? Because it's self-preservation. How's it self-preservation? Because it's all about saving yourself. Well, you couldn't save yourself for... 2,000 years, right? We couldn't save ourselves for the entire history of the world. <laughs> Appreciate anybody this morning? I feel like this could be the best message of my entire life. And it could also kill my church all in the same go. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so funny for the glory of God if everyone just left after I preached the best message of my life? Or we can realize it's not about Matt's best sermon of all time. It's about Jesus' prophetic sermon for all of eternity where he's saying, I have unfailing love that you need to receive because once you receive it, it will allow you to do what Hosea talks about next. Well, what you're talking about next, Hosea? Tearing up your unfollowed ground. See, there's so many times in church, I've been waiting. This message has actually been incubating in me for like two years. I have prayed so many times for the Lord to till up our follow ground and he will allow me to release this like this, this single verse, he would not allow me to release this until a proper right time. And it's interesting. I've prayed it so many times and I have people come up to me after service and they go, hey, what's unfollowed mean? I get unfollowed all the time. <laughs> what's unfollowed mean? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're missing it, dog. It's okay, I'll get it one day. We'll explain later. That's the explanation. Unfollowed ground. Do you know what it means? It's ground that used to be ripe. It's ground that used to be fertile. It's ground that used to be fertile. Literally, this is what it meant, especially in Jewish times, of raising up vineyards, of raising up 
olives, of raising up both oil and new wine in these fields and in this place and in this time of Hosea, where that was their main source of income, followed ground literally meant, unfollowed ground literally meant, barren, destitute, where now people and animal alike both trot and live in lands that used to be fruitful and fertile. So what does that mean? He says, till up your unfollowed ground. What does that mean? Till it up. Till it up. What does that mean? It means at some point and at some time in your life with Jesus. Again, he's talking to people who have a relationship with God. It means at some point in time, you allow the religious spirit to begin to plant its seeds. And it killed your soil. It killed your heart. Talk about preparation for the fire. You got to begin to till up the unfollowed ground. You got to begin to till it up. Why? Because right now, the Lord can't move in that land of barrenness. Well, isn't it isn't the Lord that does the resurrection? Yeah, but it's you that does the dying. And what does dying look like? Tilling up the ground. Well, why is that a picture of dying? Because you are going to face the hardest work in your life to till up your fallowed ground. Because there are both people and animals and weeds and things that were never, never called, commissioned, sent by God or designed by God to grow and occupy in your field, in your heart, in the harvest of your life. It says, till it up. Some of us, we have got people living. You have got literally squatters in your heart that live rent-free, that have killed your harvest, that have killed your field. You have got hurt from your past, You've got father wounds and mama wounds. You've got boyfriends and girlfriends and soul ties because you had sex outside of marriage. And instead of being bonded to the same person for the rest of your life, now you're bonded to like 16 different people. And you can't seem to find love. It's because you can't receive love. It's because you've been selling self-righteousness instead of righteousness. And now you have a followed ground. You follow my math. And now you've got this hardened ground this barren land that cannot receive. Listen, if we want revival to break out, we've got to begin to prepare for revival. And God only sends where is prepared. God only pours out in prepared places. Well, guess what's not prepared to receive a seed and a harvest of revival? Your barren ground. Your barren ground. He's been doing a theme this whole morning about come Lord Jesus, come the Maranatha cry. By the way, that's what that means, Maranatha. It's a great word, it just means come Lord Jesus, come. It's the book of Revelation. You should read it, it's wonderful. But what's interesting is that much like consecration, there's also three come Lord Jesuses. There's come to us, there's come through us, and then there's come for us. See, we want Jesus to come into this room. And then we want Jesus to come through us outside this room. And then we want Jesus to come for us, second coming, at the end of all of this. 
That's what we want. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The three, the three come, Lords. We want this. But I'm telling you, friends, he comes to a prepared place. He comes for a prepared people. Well, Pastor Matt, I thought I could just live on grace and grace alone. No, no, no. Grace is great. You need grace. I need grace. But he also says, I've come for a readied bride. So what does that mean? When you receive that unfailing love, it is actually, hear me today, it is actually the power, the grace, the mercy acting upon your life for you to actually do the good, fruitful work of re-again tilling up that ground. Tilling up that ground. Some of you, you have got wounds on the inside of you that you cannot even begin to sow righteousness because you are so broken in a place of self-righteousness, of self-centeredness, of self-preservation. Jesus can't actually save you because you're too busy trying to save yourself. Too busy trying to guard yourself, heal yourself, mend yourself, fix yourself. And guess what? It's all about self. God, I wish one of these self-help preachers would actually preach the gospel. Make my job a lot easier when my church would actually receive the message. <laughs> and then what's interesting is the other facet of, the, of this barren ground. Is that men have trotted, men have lived, men have occupied. And then it says, that animals, foreign animals, you know, in Song of Solomon, he writes this beautiful verse that says, catch the, catch the little foxes, my love. Not the big foxes, not the bears, not the lions, the tigers, oh my, not, not anything big that you can easily see, but catch the little foxes, my love, that spoil the whole vineyard. See, it's the little foxes that we've allowed in. It's the little affections. It's the little sin. It's the little sexual sin. It's the little condemnation. It's the little agreements. It's the subtle sins. It's the little white lies. It's the little hate that has entered our heart that would grow to become murder if allowed. I preached to anybody this morning. It's just a little racism. Are you hearing me? These little foxes, but guess what? These little foxes, they come and they occupy. They come and they destroy. So what does that mean? They're making a way for other foxes to come in. That means what? Little foxes that are hard to see begin to occupy. So all of a sudden, a few little sins got passed. A few little sins ate their way in. And now there's a bunch of these little sins that are actively working against the Lord's harvest in your life. What do I call unwanted visitors? who now take up residency in my life and kill my harvest. Demons. Man, all of a sudden we've opened ourselves up to spiritual realities and we thought we was just sinning a little in the physical. I thought I was just letting my mind kind of marry other things for a little bit. I thought I was just having a little daydream. Saw a great folder, and by great, I mean gag me with a spoon at Meyer Thrifty Outlet yesterday. Say, don't quit your daydream. Now, some of you should quit your daydream. Yeah. Quit falling in love with a future that you can make and possess for yourself. I, firm, I firmly hold to the belief that if your calling can't happen by yourself, it's not big enough. It is not big enough because God didn't author it. 
That should have got a better applause. One person saves. It's so good. Hearing me. Are you hearing me? Okay, worship team, you can make your way up. We're going we're gonna to land this bird in a second. It says till up. It says till up. By the way, you guys are doing fantastic taking us to the throne room today. Thank you so much. Can we just give it up for takeover worship? Come on. Oh. Oh, man, just oh. even from the jump, that, that first bit of, you know, quote-unquote spiritual spontaneous song that the ladies just cracked out in the middle of nowhere at the beginning was amazing. But he says this. Catch the little foxes, my love. For they spoil the whole vineyard. That means there's a way for you and I to live so on, on guard, so unaware, so in love with our day job. Oh, you can bring that pad down just a little bit. Just let it simmer. Just let it simmer. <laughs> Maybe you can't. I have no idea. <laughs> but it means there's a way where we can live so in love with our calling. I'm called. I'm called. I'm called to grow grapes. And my commission is going to be the greatest vineyard Michigan has ever seen. Lianu Sellers, forget about it. It's going to be mine. I'm the greatest wine. I'm going to have the greatest vineyards. I'm going to have the greatest trellises that make it go so big, so high, so beautiful, so luscious. My grapes, you should see them. My grapes. As long as we view the harvest as ours, we will never keep eyes on the little foxes that break in. Because how you and I tend the things that belong to us versus how you and I should tend the things that belong to God, major difference. All of a sudden, when you realize the harvest of your life, this fallow ground, this thing, that he's saying, no, you got to till it up. you got to till it up, not just because it's unfruitful for you, but it's unfruitful for me. The return on investment in your life of my broken body and my poured out blood. Can we just end this real quick? Jesus' blood was not spilt. His love wasn't an accident. His body being broken wasn't accidental. It didn't just spill like a glass of milk. No, he was purposely broken, divided, and poured out for you and for me. And as long as we treat it as spilt, as long as we treat it as happenstance, they murdered Jesus. No, Jesus willfully sacrificed his life. His life wasn't taken, it was given. His blood wasn't spilt, it was willfully poured out. And I'm telling you, when we begin to see things from his throne and from his perspective, and we begin to look at our field and what we've allowed in and realized, not only is it not okay for you to treat yourself that way, it's not okay for you to treat things that belong to him that way, such as the harvest of your life, but it's not just the good works and the fruit of your vineyard, it's you. Field, work, life's work, your masterpiece, what you do, and your heart, who you are. He purchased you when he purchased the field. He purchased the field when he purchased you.
And then it says, seek him. Seek him. Seek him and he will pour out such a harvest of righteousness upon your life. You see, there's this part between calling and commission. It's called consecration. And consecration works best dripped in blood. His. You may spill a lot of blood pursuing the call and commission of God on your life. But no greater amount of blood will ever be shed than what you come to realize is his in the middle of your consecration. Would you stand? He pours out to the prepared places. If I can have, if I can have, um, no offense to anybody, I, uh, I need some, I need some, no offense to anybody, I need some heavy hitters. Um, <laughs> if I get Micah and Angie and Zach and Pastor Adrienne. And... Can I get Chris as well? Chris, can you come up here? How good is that? How good is that? Lord's highlighting people. Can I get Wayne as well? Lord's highlighting people. Oh, oh the Lord's showing me someone who's going to die a little bit, but they're going to come alive even more when they get to do this part. Christina, can I have you? <laughs> uh, come on, girl. Come on, girl. It's about to get way more uncomfortable in a second. He says this. He says, pour out. Pour out. Here, here's the deal, friends. You've got to understand. Oh, there's Pastor Scott. Yeah, I was looking for you, but I assumed you were tending. Come on up here. Here's the deal. Everybody wants a visitation while living lives that actively reject consecration. Visitation and outpouring of God in the earth only comes by preparation and consecration. I appreciate anybody this morning. You want an outpouring of God in any arena, in any area of your life, it will come on the backside of preparation and consecration. Visitation never goes to a place that has not gone through the consecration and preparation to receive it. That's what this whole year has been about. That's what the next six weeks are going to be about. That's what it's all going to culminate to, is ensuring that we have done the good work of preparation and consecration so we can receive a pouring out and a visitation. You see, the amazing thing about revival is it's not just the resuscitation of the bride. It's not just the resurrection of the dead. Revival comes, and you know what revival does? It lets every kingdom of man know who's truly ruling and reigning and whose kingdom it really is. Hey, Annette. She's going to hate me. Hey, Annette. Hey, Annette McClure. She's helping a little baby. Just like Jesus, good honor. Hey, Annette, you got to come pray over people. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Come on. The Lord's like, hey, I got a late addition to the team. This is going to be awesome. Watch this. When revival comes, 
it lets the kingdom of men know that the kingdoms of men are becoming the kingdoms of our God. This whole thing, it's not about a great cause, it's about a great commission. It's about God sending his spirit in such a measure that every kingdom on this earth is shaken to its foundation that the earth would be filled with his glory and his church would be set up, instituted, and shining bright before men and calling them home. So between calling and consecrate, or between calling and commission is consecration. Here's what we're going to do. The worship team is going to lead us in this next song and I'm going to call you forward and I'm going to call you out by doing this. I'm actually going to stay up here And if I don't see you come forward for prayer, I am going to put it on the microphone. Yeah. Why? Because gone are the days of hiding. Today is a day to die. And die well. Die well. So you can resurrect with all of heaven's fury and glory. Amen? So I'm going to pray. And we're going to pray for some of you for your calling. Some of you for your commissioning. But before you leave a prayer, prayer warrior down here, we're going to pray for your consecration. Sound good? Then let's get it, baby. Father, we love you. You can feel free to make your way now. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. It is an honor. And also, worship team, if you feel the need to come down and get prayer at any point in time, God gives you permission to do so. We don't need the music to continue throughout this whole thing. So please, go and get prayer. Father, we love you. We have given you our lives. We have given you our hearts, God. And right now, Lord, I speak over the timid in this room, the timid who would rather wait to be called on last and be forced to go than willfully go. I pray for the timid. I say, timid, let all pride die. Let all pride die. Well, I'm not prideful, you say. You are because you're in hiding and you think you know better. I'm telling you, self-preservation came to this church to die today so that righteousness in our Savior can live. So right now, Lord, I pray over the timid. I pray over the bold. I pray for the audacious and I pray over the arrogant. I pray for the holy and the unholy, the pure and the impure. I pray for every person in this room right now, God, to come alive to their sainthood, to come alive to their daughterhood and their sonship. Father, right now, right now, Lord, we would begin a great mission of consecration, God. Before every calling, before every commission, We would pursue these next six weeks, Lord, the preparation and the consecration for a visitation from the heavenlies, the likes of which Grand Rapids, West Michigan, Michigan, Midwest, and America and the world has yet to receive, God. So Holy Spirit of God, come. Have your way in this place. Give us a heart for consecration circumcise everything within us God and pull off the old man and make us a new man in Jesus mighty name right now amen